This is a Mortarbox Media Podcast. For more podcasts and to learn how we can help you create your own, visit mortarboxmedia.com. Hello and welcome once again to Madison Story Slam, the podcast where we hear great stories from great people so that we can build community together. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could do us a favor, hit the subscribe button, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts app. Ratings help people find the show and reviews help me know what you're liking about the show, maybe what you're not liking about the show. It's really the best way to help this show. But if you want to play an even bigger part in what we do here at Madison Story Slam, you can head to patreon.com slash madisonstoryslam where you can become a monthly patron and subscribe to the show that way. As always, check the show notes for links to the videos of today's stories and links to get merch and shirts and things like that and help support Madison Story Slam. Just a reminder that our next Story Slam event is live on Saturday, March 16th at the Wilmar Center in Madison, Wisconsin. The theme is Courage, and after stories, we've got Nicholas Blazina playing some songs for us. It's going to be a great time. It's $5 at the door. You get a raffle ticket and entrance with that $5. So come on out. Have a good time. After this episode, stick around to hear a song from Nicholas Blazina. On today's episode, we've got Daniel Rivera telling us about how he broke out the wrong window. But up first, it's one of my favorite storytellers, Jonas Solheim, telling us what he has in common with George Michael Bluth. All right. So uh, I was a little bit of a late bloomer in the romance department. Uh, By the time I was 14, I had dated nobody. And I thought all of my friends had had girlfriends at at some point or girlfriends or boyfriends at some point or another. I thought it's about time I get myself into the dating pool. So I started in social studies class, actually, um, (laughs) where apparently everything starts. Uh, There was a girl who sat in front of me. She had very nice long hair. I thought that was very nice. I had never met her before. I had never seen her before. Uh, Most of the kids that I went to school with went through elementary school, middle school, high school with me, and it was kind of interesting to see somebody new. And so I got to know her a little bit and eventually got up the courage to ask her out, which was a huge deal for young me who had hair still and was like... cool about everything. I, was, I had all life ahead of me and uh, asked her out and did all the good boyfriend things. We went to movies that my dad drove us to. We went to uh, like festival things that her town had. She lived um, a few minutes away from me and they had different kind of um, fireworks festivals in the summer and um, or in the, I guess, early fall uh, season. And it was going pretty well for about a month and a half. And I had met her mom. We had done, I had done the whole thing. I'm a very good parent pleaser. I like to make friends with the parents that they don't think that I'm awful because for their child um, to this day still. And uh, it's important to know that I met her mom um, because I get a text from this girl that I was dating uh, about a month and a half into our relationship. And she says, do you know somebody named Arvid Denner? And I stop, and I go, well, yeah, he's my great-grandfather. 
And it's not so strange that she would know the name because he was from my hometown uh, and he went to my high school and his picture is up in our lunchroom. And um, he's a fixture in the community. He was a volunteer firefighter. It was a whole deal. And so I texted her back, well, yeah, he's my (laughs) great-grandfather. This is a lot of people to say this to. I did not expect this crowd. Um, She texts me back, that's so funny, he's my (laughs) great-uncle. A little bit of backstory. Um, I, my great-grandfather and my great-grandmother divorced when my grandma was young, and they, they both remarried, and my great-grandfather had a, another family, and my great-grandmother remarried Arvid Denner. Now, he had had another family as well, and uh, his wife had died in a car accident along with uh, one of his daughters, and so he remarried when he was a little bit older. So we were not blood-related. I want to stress that. Not blood-related <laughs> at all. Um, but she is my step-second cousin. <laughs> first girlfriend. First person I ever dated in my whole life. This is the first foray into, into dating. This is my introduction to romance. This is... Great, great setup for the rest of my life. So, um, this is a story about a breakup that didn't happen for another month and a half. <laughs> because I had a girlfriend, and I was 14, and it was, it was great to have a girlfriend at 14. You get to go do things, and people think that you're cool when you have a girlfriend in high school. Or so I thought. <sighs> so, I keep up dating her because I have somebody and it's so nice to have somebody and I keep thinking in the back of my head okay but the family reunions <laughs> and her mom is gonna and she, know, and she knew her mom knew the whole time and did not tell either of us we looked at photo albums of our family <laughs> so The actual breakup was not as interesting as this whole thing. I broke up with her on Facebook because I am a coward. Um, And as stated before, a failure is a man. So um, that's that's fine. I will give that moniker to myself. That's fine. Um, So I broke up with her on Facebook. We never talked again. And the next year, when we were sophomores in high school, she started dating somebody that I knew very well because he was my actual second cousin. This is not fake. This is real. They have been dating since 2010 and are getting married in Alaska this summer. You can clap. That's fine. Good for them. Uh, Yeah, so when my great-grandfather died, which was a couple years ago now, uh, we went to the funeral, and he was from Middleton, so we had the funeral in Middleton. And her mom, this girl's mom that I dated, came up to me, and I had not seen her in a decade. And she said, like, hello, how are you? And I said, hello, it was fine. In line to get food, because it was a Lutheran funeral, so, you know, you have to go eat after, after the whole thing. In line, someone turns to me and says, are you part of the family? I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> yep, I am. Um, so that was my introduction to romance. I don't know if any of you have... <laughs> 
experienced anything like this. I've never met anybody who has any crazy family stories like that, but I thought that it would be fun to share with all of you tonight. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man, Jonah. Do you remember when we started and I said, it takes guts to come up here and share? Man, that must have been, that, that might have been the most gutsy story. I love when you said that you looked at albums of our family. That was the best part of that story. Thank you so much, Jonah, for being really brave and sharing that uh, incredible, incredible story. That's one of my favorites of all time. Hey, just want to remind you that we do a live video stream of every single one of our live events from the Wilmar Center. So if you can't make it on Saturday, March 16th, you can always tune in at 7 p.m. Central on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Madison Story Slam. Once the stories start there at the Wilmar Center, they will also be starting live via video on Facebook, and we can't wait to have you join us that way. Up next, here's Daniel Rivera. One day, I got married. It was June of 2006. 2006 was a very busy year. Married in June. By July, my wife tells me, I don't think we should have gotten married, and I don't feel about you the same way that I did. Granted, we had been together seven and a half years. Also, maybe you should have told me a month before, right before we spend all this money on our wedding. Um, August comes around. We're in counseling, trying to save our relationship. September comes around, and I find out that although she had been telling me the whole time there was no one else, there was somebody else. That somebody else actually had existed since May of that year. Yes, the same May that comes before June, the same month that we got married. Um, October comes around, I move out. November comes around and it really sucked because it's the time where you want to be around family for the holidays. I was missing my wife and my stepdaughter. December really sucked because I turned 30. Christmas Eve, woe is me. I was really sad, and it's all her fault, or at least that's how I felt anyway. Um, 2007, 2007 came around, and I was feeling better. I met a bunch of people. I got my, my hopes back up, and I was feeling good. Um, and we had actually gotten back in communication again and, you know, chatting on Instant Messenger and, you know, talking about what could be and, you know, what if, and maybe there's a possibility of us kind of rekindling what we had. And so she was all for it, and it was great, and I was feeling good, and I was like, you know, a new, better me. And we had this opportunity coming up where one of my closest cousins, who was also one of her best friends, was having a birthday coming up in March of 2007. And so I was like, hey, maybe I'll see you there. Okay, well, yeah, I'll see you there. You know, we can chat and we can talk, and maybe we can kind of try to get this thing going again. So the day comes. I'm feeling great. I'm all, you know, dressed up to the T's. I got my cologne. Tss, tss, you know how that works. Just, you know, I got, I'm feeling good that night. I'm going to go in and I'm like, that's it. We're going to go and I'm, I'm going to win back the heart of the woman that I love that I'm supposed to be with. Meanwhile, she's still my wife. We, haven't, we hadn't divorced at that time. So 
Uh, we go, and it's a great night. We're having fun. We're drinking and dancing, and we're on the dance floor to some reggaeton, and we're, da- you know, we're grinding a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, she's feeling me for sure. Um, and so the, the end of the night comes. Uh, this was in, in New York City, and bar time is 4 o'clock. So 4 o'clock rolls around. It was also uh, daylight savings, so it was really 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock. Um, so that was an extra hour of drinking in there, but either way. Um, and everybody is getting ready to leave. You know, my cousin and all, all of our other friends are leaving, and they're driving away in our, their cars. And I'm a true New Yorker who doesn't have a car. I was a true New Yorker who didn't have a car, so I was taking a subway, as was my wife. And I said, hey, if, you know, if you're going to the subway, why don't we ride together? She lived downtown. I lived uptown. You know, I can escort you, kind of, you know, trying to do the gentlemanly thing. And so she looks back at me, and she says, she didn't have to say anything. I saw it in her face and her eyes. She says, I'm sorry, Danny, I'm not going home. I knew what that meant. I hung my head down. Okay, I got it. I turned around and started walking. Before I head into the subway, I said, no, no. I stopped. I turned around, and I came back and said, hey, no, no. I, I, we, we can't just end it like this. Like You can't just be communicating with me, telling me these things, and then come in and turn around and tell me something else. Let's talk about this now. Five o'clock in the morning in the middle of Queens Boulevard. Um, and so she comes out, and I'm telling her, what, what, what's up? You know, after everything we'd been talking about, you said, yeah, there's a chance of us getting together, and we were looking forward to this, and now you're just going to turn around and go, you know, to somebody else's house? And she said, I just, you know, I thought I could, but I, I can't. And I said, well, what is it? What's wrong? You know, we, we were in love. You, you, do you love him? Yes, I love him. But, but you loved me, too. Like, after seven and a half years, you can't just turn around and then drop all of that. And then in that moment, like, in my mind, I was, like, thinking back to many of the movies that I'd seen, and I was like, all she needs is just this one passionate kiss that's going to make her remember, and it's just going to, like, oh, I know now. What have I been thinking this whole time? So, you know, so I, I lean in for this kiss, and at the same time, she's leaning back away from me, and I'm like, oh. That hurt so much, I was like, I was sure that was going to work. That was going to be the foot-popping kiss that, like, brought it all back to her, you know? And so, no kiss, and then she says, you know, I- I'm sorry, Danny, I have to go. So she starts walking across Queens Boulevard, and I'm there, and I look over my shoulder, and I see across the street there's a black car, tinted windows, parked, idle, waiting for her. And I was like, wait, is that him? Him, we all know who him is. I had not actually confronted him or met him in person, but I knew that was him. I ran across the street ahead of her to get to the car before she could get to the car. He's sitting in the car. I know it was him because even though the windows were tinted and I was banging on the glass trying to get in and cursing at him with every word and book, I could see his smug face on the other side of that tinted window smiling back at me like, I got what you want. There's nothing you can do about it. She couldn't get into the car because hitting that unlock bu- the unlock button meant opening the door for her and opening the door for me. So as I'm trying to get in, she's trying to get in. Nobody was getting in. She says, just drive away. So I said, yeah, drive away, you motherfucking blah, 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 blah. Everything, everything I can think of. He drives away. And I was like, yeah. And so I run up to her and said, what is, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this to me? Why, why, well, like, what is your problem? Why are you doing this to me? And she's like, I don't know. You know, and then in that moment, I turn around, and sure, I see the car is parked a block away, and I'm so focused on the car, so I said, you know what? He thinks he's going to be slick driving away and only parking a block away. I'm going to get him this time. So as I start running towards the car, 
I see like a broken down police barricade, you know, with the two triangles and the wood in the middle. And like all in one quick motion, like I planned this ahead of time, I run up on the driver's side, I grab the triangle, and with one swift motion, I swing it while yelling, how you like me now, bitch? <laughs> I swing, poof, the glass shatters in super slow-mo to reveal the very scared face of a young woman sitting behind the wheel of a car that was not his. Yes. Oh. I, I'm looking for words to say. I can't even say. I look up. My wife is nowhere to be found. My friends, my cousin, didn't know where to be found because they had left like long ago. Like I said, I thought we were the only two fools in the middle of, you know, at that time of night. Turns out this young woman was sitting in her car waiting for her mother to take her to the hospital. And... I was like, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, thought this was, I thought this was my wife's boyfriend's car. I know it sounds ridiculous even when I say it now, 10 years later. And I just, I was trying to explain it to her. I was like trying to comfort her. And she was like, didn't even want to look at me or talk to me or let me touch her. And she called the cops. You got to call the cops. I sat on the curb and cops showed up. I explained everything that happened, everything I did. You know, we got to take you to jail, right? Yeah, go ahead. Put my hands behind my back. Took me to jail, spent the night in jail, the next day about 15, 15 hours in jail. And uh, I remember then standing in front of the judge, and as, you know, I'm kind of telling my story and saying it, and again, the words, I thought it was my wife's boyfriend's car. I was like, what, what? That's some Jerry Springer shit, and I'm in the middle of this right now? And so... It, it kind of, I was just like feeling so, I was focused on my emotions, I was focused on my hurt, I was focused on everything that she had been doing to me, everything that he had been doing to me, everything that everybody else had been doing to me, that when it then came turn for them to talk about what I did to this woman, and I could imagine sitting in my car in the middle of the night, waiting to take, it's bad enough, I gotta take my mom to the hospital, then some crazy guy starts calling me a bitch while he breaks my window, oh my goodness, she must have been so terrified. And even when I tried to comfort her and she like shuddered and moved away, I was like, I was so focused on what everybody's actions were doing to me that I had a total disregard for what my actions were doing to someone else. And it was a lesson that still stands today with me when I think about to that day with my ex-wife that I need to focus on what makes me happy and focus on doing more of what makes other people happy and stop trying to get even or get back something that was clearly not mine. I even got a tattoo. It says, focus on all that you love. And it's a reminder to me that ultimately I have control over what I can bring to other people, the effect that I have on other people. And I need to focus on that and stop focusing on the pain and hurt that other people may bring to me, to me in my way. That's my story. Thank you, Daniel, for sharing that pretty intimate story about how you terrified somebody and went to jail. We really appreciate that story and both stories today. We appreciate you both and every single time that we hear from anybody on the show. Thank you for being so uh, willing to help us out and share your experiences with us. 
Just a reminder that coming up on Saturday, March 16th at the Wilmar Center in Madison, Wisconsin, we are hosting Madison Story Slam Courage, an evening of stories and song, featuring stories from some of your favorite storytellers and an evening of songs with Nicholas Blazina of the band State and Madison. We are so looking forward to that. And then on Saturday, April 20th, again at the Wilmar Center here in Madison, Wisconsin, the theme is secondhand. And then May, our final story slam of our regular season will be May 18th. That's Saturday, May 18th at the Wilmar Center. We don't have a theme yet, but that will be announced very soon. Check in on our Facebook page to find out more. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned after the show to hear a song from Nicholas Blazina. And as always, I love you. Hey guys, thanks for sticking around after the show has ended. I know some of you are very interested in our Saturday, March 16th show, where we are having stories for half the time, but then after stories, we're going to hear from Nicholas Blazina a uh, musician from Nashville who's from the Chicago band State and Madison. They're a rock and roll band. But Nick often tours solo and does acoustic shows with amazing songs that really, uh, for me, have impacted my life. And they are stories in song form. And when he reached out and said that he's looking for a place to uh, be booked in Madison, I just thought that he would be, that it would be a perfect match. So this song is called Life is Good, and it's actually been featured on Madison Story Slam before, but I just wanted to give you a taste of what you're going to experience on Saturday, March 16th at the Wilmar Center when we do an evening of story and song. Here's Nicholas. You haven't been well since I don't know when I have tried and tried again. To do what I could To be a good friend Yeah, I do my best to listen But when silence begs, I ask What can I do to bring my lover back? Cause if that silence holds your breath I will wait to hear you say That life is good Cause life is good And I pray that you believe someday That life is good Cause life is good Don't need to forgive you No fault to find here I will walk through this hell Like it's heaven Cause if that's where you are Then that's where I'll be Yeah, I'd stay in that fire I will wait to hear you say Good, and I pray that you believe some. 
Once again, and as always, I love you.